Welcome back to the Nesson College Hockey Podcast. I'm Patrick McAvoy. As always, I'm here with my friend and fellow Nesson employee, Jenna Ciccatelli. Jenna, what's up? How are you doing today? What's up? What's going on? I can't believe we're not at a college hockey game, truthfully. It's kind of sad that the bean pot is over for the year. It's true. It is over. Breaking news, as Jenna just said. Bean pots, both of them, men's, women, finite. Finito, finish. All in all, they're done. And they were a great show, both rounds of both tournaments. It was great. We were at all of them. And now we are uh, at the Nesson Watertown office and Jenna's apartment. That's where we're at today, rather than being at a hockey game. So, you know, it's a little different. It's a little different, but, you know, the show still goes on and we're here to talk about uh, we're here to talk about the men's final and the men's consolation game, and what a what a what a two games it was. Jenna, how are you feeling? I'm good. We had quite a Monday night at TD Garden to wrap things up. The consolation game got us started, and what a championship game there was right after that. I mean, for all of the goals that the championship game lacked, and we'll get to that later, there were plenty of them in the consolation game between Boston College and Harvard, mm-hmm. and that was a 3-3 tie. So that was quite the hockey game. We almost got a taste of the new Beanpot overtime rules there, where instead of just playing endless overtimes, like we saw in so many finals past, they just do the standard NCAA five-minute extra overtime period, and then they would go to a shootout. Obviously, since this is the compilation game, we didn't get to see a shootout. So this one went down in the books, went down at TD Garden as a 3-3 tie. So there's the big question then. So before we get into who scored and all of that, so we talked about the uh, the overtime rules. They changed. How are you feeling about it? Because there was there were some people who were not too happy about it. So now Us that included. we're... Us included. We were not happy about that, especially when we thought that consolation game was going to go into a shootout, go into overtime. But then in the championship game too, which again, we'll get to that later, but that was 0-0 until the final minutes there. And the shootout was about to kill the bean pot. If that game went to overtime and the winner was decided in a shootout, how can you even say that mm. that's a real, that, that's an asterisk. But luckily we didn't have to deal with that. That's true. We definitely got a little lucky. We, we scraped by by the skid of our teeth. We didn't, we didn't have any shootouts. Here's the thing. I personally, I like a shootout. Shootouts are kind of fun, but not to decide the bean pot. Um, I also don't like endless overtime. So I don't know what I like, but whatever the case, um, shootout shouldn't determine uh, shouldn't determine who wins the bean pot. And we got very lucky that it didn't have to. But BC Harvard, that was a good game. You know, it looked like Boston College was going to win their first game in a month. And here's the thing as an objective reporter at the game, no opinion. You- you, you know, you obviously you hope for hockey, good hockey, and that's what we got. We did get good hockey, and we got good hockey. But in the back of my mind, and here's the thing: I was sitting there, and I was like, Boston College hasn't won a game since December 31st. Let these kids get a win. You know what I mean? I kind of wanted those kids to get a win, and, and they, uh, came they, so close. they came so close. They so close. led Harvard three to one, 
And just like Harvard did when they last played Boston College, these two teams met February 1st and Harvard was losing three to nothing. And then they came back and they won six to three. So same sort of deal on Monday at TD Garden. Harvard was losing three to one to Boston College. You and I were sitting there ready to go wild for BC because they finally mm. were going to win a game. Again, they haven't won since December 31st. Happy New Year. Um, <laughs> Jack Donato, Harvard forward, said that knowing they already had come back against Boston College in that February 1st game, it made the Crimson confident that they could do it again. And that's exactly what they did. They ended up coming back from that 3-1 score to tie the game 3-3. And it really was something sitting there watching. I feel like the momentum really shifted. I feel like mm -hmm. it started off all Boston College pretty much maybe through that first period. And then as things were going on, I felt like the tide started to change to be more towards Harvard. And you saw that, obviously, as they started to come back. But I almost felt like if there were five or 10 minutes left in the third period, if it was extended a little bit for some reason, Harvard would have won that game. Like they oh, were no so doubt. close. They were pushing so hard at the end there, which, you know, bummer for Boston College. They are now 0-10-2 in that span since December 31st. And it's a little bit of a contradiction where you have Jerry York, head coach, winningest head coach in Division One, Division I men's hockey history. He really wasn't too bothered by that whole thing when somebody asked in the post-game press conference, you know, is this just the monkey that you have hanging on your back now? He didn't really seem too bothered. He knows that this team, the tide's going to turn for them. And apart from all of that, he said that their attitude through this whole thing has just been incredible. They're not letting it get them down. And he called this Boston College team one of the most enjoyable teams that he's ever coached. And that's definitely interesting. You would uh, you think maybe it wouldn't be, but. Shout out to them. It almost reminds me of, um, for all of our listeners, which, for all of our listeners who have seen the show Ted Lasso, which I'm sure there are many, uh, they went through a similar route where they, they, I think they tied seven or eight straight games. So, I mean, they didn't lose. They tied seven or eight straight games and then lost a game. So their uh, winless streak was pretty sensitive as well. It almost seems like that's kind of what's going on with Boston College. And it's definitely, uh, definitely interesting. Yeah, absolutely. One player that I loved watching on Boston College, their forward, Liam Isaac, he scored two goals the other night. Um, they actually credited one of his goals to somebody else, but then Jerry York clarified in the postgame press conference that he did get two goals of Harvard or of the Eagles three the other night. And that was his fourth goal in two games because he also had a two-game night in Boston College's game right heading into the bean pot. So mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I don't know where he was all season. If you look at his stats, it seems that he hasn't really played regularly up until the last month or so. So really since they've been in this stretch, but I don't know, something, you know, something's on fire for him right now. Don't let Liam Isaac get hot because. You're right. You're right. Don't let him get hot. He's a good player. It was a good game. All in all, the, uh, the overtime period ended and they decided, let's call it. And they did. Tie game, both teams, their 2022 being pot is complete. And uh, they technically tied for a third. Um, so now it's a big one. Boston University versus Northeastern. Northeastern had won three straight bean pots dating back to 2018, because obviously in 2021, it was canceled COVID. But it was a good game. It was a good game at TV Garden, but Boston University came out on top, one nothing, scoring a goal with 
two minutes and 48 seconds remaining in the game. It's their 31st title, first since 2015. They kind of, they got a lot of revenge against the Huskies. They had lost to Northeastern in the final in 2018 and 2020. And they've lost four of the last five team pots since 2015. So it must have felt, it must have felt good for the Terriers to kind of get back in the win column. But, I mean, it is their 31st title, so they've been there before. But what a game that was. You got to imagine this one has been such a long time coming for Boston University to do it. They've reached the finals in six of the last seven years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you said, they haven't won since 2015. So that's actually the longest active beanpot drought because before Northeastern won it in 2018, it got passed around between all the beanpot schools. So, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, you had four different winners. Mm-hmm. Then it was Northeastern for three straight. So now you've got Boston University here, just, you know, longest bean pot drought. And for it to come against Northeastern, obviously one of their Hockey East rivals, a team that they've struggled with during the regular season this season, when they've lost the bean pot final to the Huskies 2018-2020. I mean, you got to imagine that feels that much sweeter. And what a game it was, seriously. It was. It was it's zero zero. We're both sitting there. We're sweating. I'm gonna be honest with you. Here's the thing. We're sweating because we're like, okay, we're about to go overtime. Are they about to go to a shootout? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And then Dylan Peterson, <clears throat> sophomore forward Dylan Peterson, he he stepped up. Two minutes forty eight seconds left in the game. He got us. Uh, he got a pass from Jamie Armstrong, junior forward from the Terriers, right in front of the doorstop. Put it past Northeastern goalie TJ Sempervelter. And it was all it was all they needed. One nothing win. Peterson, because of that goal, he was named the Bean Pot MVP. Simpson Filter, even though they lost, I mean he was he was the best goalie of, on the men's side of the tournament. He was the best goalie hands down. Twenty five saves in the loss. He was named the Everly Award winner for best goaltender of the tournament. I was so impressed with his performance. I mean, we've talked about this over the last few weeks, but both mm-hmm. BU and Northeastern had their backup goalies in with. Devin Levi and Drew Camesso over in Beijing, but, Mm. and obviously a lot of the other teams, everybody lost players due to the Olympics, but obviously goalie is a big position, right? Mm -hmm. And especially when you're Northeastern, you have Devin Levi, who's one of the top goalies in the country, not to knock Drew Camesso because he's also very good. But Mm -hmm. I was so surprised by Sempton Pelter's performance over the last few weeks, what we've seen from him. He just, he was a brick wall and he really is, one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, that Northeastern made it to this Beanpot final in the first place. I mean, this one was going to come down to one goal, right? As mm-hmm. we're sitting there at 0-0, the clock's ticking down. In a game like that, in any Beanpot game, you're going to have some heartbreak. But in a Beanpot final where it comes down to whoever scores this last goal with, you know, 60, 90 seconds remaining on the clock, it's going to be a heartbreaker. So you can't really fault TJ Semptonfelter for that. I mean, he did everything that he could do up until the final minutes there. I was so impressed with what we saw from him over the last Absolutely. Week. He, he was nice. He really was. He did. He made some saves out there on Monday that were just unbelievable. Um, with BU's win, head coach Alvy O'Connell, he earned his first Beanpot Championship as the head coach. He took over the job in 2018. Before that, he was an assistant with the team uh, beginning in 2014. He Helped, he helped guide them to the, t- the championship in 2015, but this was the first time he won as the head coach. He played for BU. During, he played for BU from 1995 to 99, and they won four championships over that span. 
So this is a fellow who had the taste of a bean pop before, finally got it as a head coach. It was, for BU, it was all around. It was just a really good, it was a good win. It was a good game in general. Either team could have won. It was a good game. They're both missing players to the Olympics. Uh, but BU also is missing defenseman Alex Vlasic to illness. I believe it was illness. Mm-hmm. But still were one. After the game, O'Connell said he's arguably their best player. So, I mean, both teams had to overcome adversity to get where they were anyway. But BU, they're red hot. They're, I think it's seven wins in a row now that they have. And they're going to make some noise later on. But so here's the thing, Jenna, here's the thing. So we have, we went to eight college hockey games. Four men's, four women's, women's bean pot, men's bean pot. Now that it's all said and done, how are you feeling? What are we? What are your takeaways from bean pot twenty twenty two? On the women's side, I really, truthfully, have not stopped thinking about Harvard's top line. That top line of Becca Gilmore, Anne Bloomer, Kristen Delarovere, one of the mm-hmm. top lines in the country, just statistically and the way that. They just had so much chemistry and the way they flowed and played together on the ice, especially in that women's bean pot final. I mean, they were just incredible. They were really a treat to watch. And that's something that I'm really going to be looking for as we head down the line here. I'm going to keep an eye on the ECAC tournament, going to keep an eye on the national tournament because Harvard and Northeastern are up there in the women's hockey rankings. They're back and forth kind of bouncing around in the top four, five, six spots. And honestly, if we get a meeting of those two down the line, that really would be something. But that top line at Harvard is one of the main reasons that they are as successful as they are. And that really was one of the highlights of the bean pot for me. Love that. Love the sound of that. Couldn't agree more. I think for me, you know, looking at these, looking at, rather than looking at kind of each game individually, kind of looking at the whole thing in totality, especially after last season, having the event canceled because of COVID. Uh, rightfully so, I mean, obviously, but to have it back this season, to have both events go on, both events went on without a hitch, even with losing a bunch of players to the Olympics, even with obviously the virus still being around, the tournament was able to, first off, be held this year, both of them, and, I mean, it was just a full, it was it was a success, no, no, no other way around it, no other word to describe it, it was a success, and for the women's final, for the women's semifinal, Matthews Arena was pretty packed. For the men's semifinal and final, TD Garden was very packed. Like for the championship game the other day, it almost, it really felt like a Bruins game. It felt like a sellout, which was insane. And we were sitting up there in the press box, right kind of above the Northeastern student section. Mm-hmm. And then you can see the BU sections were right there. And like, they were rocking and we were kind of right in the middle of it from where we were sitting. It was so much energy. It was nuts. It was so much energy. And I think the biggest takeaway I have is after being at this event, after being at obviously both of them, can't wait for 2023, but also like for anybody listening, if you're around the area, men's tournament, women's tournament, if you like hockey, go to both. If you can get to both, because both of them were great events both, I mean, there was great hockey, and it was really all around. You could tell the people were having fun in the stands. The hockey was good. It was, it was a great event. I don't think there's any. I I can't take, I can't think of a negative takeaway for the event itself because all the people who worked there were just a really great job. They worked very hard to make sure 
the players, the fans, the media people were all taken care of and good. And, you know, kudos to them, hats off to them, uh, stick tap to them, uh, because they really did put on a great show all eight games and can't wait till next year. It really was a blast, but the best part of all of it is we don't even have to wait until next year to get the whole tournament vibe, see these teams again, because we still have Hockey East tournaments, ECAC tournaments, and then honestly, the way things are going, we should get to see, well, we will get to see because of automatic qualifiers, but we should have some competitive teams come out of the Hockey East, the ECA tournaments into the NCAA tournaments on both the men's and the women's side. So there's plenty left to still look forward to this season. Absolutely. And as you just mentioned, we we have Hockey East tournament beginning up March 9th. We have ECAC first round matchups March 4th. After that, we have eventually the national tournament is going to take place. And to determine the national tournament uh, seating and selection, it's done based off of the pairwise, which is, it means six conference champions earn an automatic bid, 10 at-large teams join as well. And the pairwise is used to select mainly who the at-bid teams are. And um, it, there's a lot of good college hockey coming and a lot of good college hockey coming from local teams specifically. BU is 14th in the pairwise, Northeastern 17th, Harvard 23. Even BC, who has struggled, is 34. And they likely would need an automatic bid through the conference championship to, to squeak in. But I mean, as we've seen with the being part, as we've seen with everything so far throughout this college hockey season, I mean, any team can get hot and then who knows what will happen, especially as they start to get players back from the Olympics. So, I mean, any of these teams we could be talking about a little later on this season. Absolutely. On the women's side as well, that should be a very exciting tournament because the national championship field has actually expanded to 11 teams this season. So women's tournament, a little bit different from the men's just in size and all of that good stuff. But the Hockey East and the ECAC women's champions also both will get the auto bids to the women's tournament. Hockey East tournament opening round is February 23rd. Championship is March 5th. And the ECAC will wrap their tournament up around that same weekend as well. Um, like I, we talked about a little bit earlier, Northeastern, Harvard, both up there in both the national rankings and then rightfully so in the pairwise, which obviously the pairwise isn't a perfect science, but it's a good indicator of where these teams are at and what we can expect from them this postseason. So Northeastern's four in the pairwise right now. Harvard women are seven in the pairwise. BC's kind of right on the cusp there. They're 14th and BU is 20. So anything can happen over these next couple of weeks. There's plenty of regular season action left to go as well. So still a lot on the line. We can't count anything out just yet. And, you know, the bean pot might be over, but there's still plenty of hockey still to come. Absolutely. And that's kind of throughout these couple of weeks, we've had a great time talking to, I know I have, uh, Jenna, did you have a great time? I have had the best time. It has truly been a pleasure to cover the bean pot, to cover the bean pot with you, Pat, and then to bring it all back here on the Nesson College Hockey Podcast. It has been a treat. Absolutely. It couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself. We've had a great run. 
Thank you for all the listeners who have tuned in. Thank you for all the readers who have read our more than 60 pieces of written content that's on Nesson.com. It's still there. If you want to go find it, you can just search Beanpot, then click on the category and you can read everything. If you missed the Beanpot, you can pretty much get every aspect of it from what we wrote. But thank you to all of the listeners. Thank you for joining us. We have had a blast. We hope you have. And now it's on to 2023.